0: Welcome to Get Your Goat, I'm back, got a lot to tap into today, a lot to catch up with the NBA playoffs, round two is underway and I think I have locks on the teams the rest of the way. The NHL playoffs, round two is done, on to the conference finals or technically this year, they call it the semi-final match with the divisions, that it's the way it's done. I'm going to give you my top five teams in Major League Baseball. But to start off, before we get into all that, have to catch up on some NFL news and some NFL talk. The first thing is Kyle Long, offensive guard. For the Chiefs, injured his knee in practice, and that is not a good sign for him or the Chiefs. He was one of the premier offensive guards in football who retired uh, because of injuries, Uh, so this is not good. They're hoping he avoids a surgery, uh, but if he does, I don't know if he'll be back To play this year, they're hoping by the start of the season. Uh, But who knows, they might have to start uh, DuVernay or the rookie that they got. But he says he has no regrets. He's happy. But if he cannot play for this team, then this definitely hurts the right side of this offensive line. Drafted a center. They've got Orlando Brown protecting the left side and Joe Thune. So the left side, the blind side of Patrick Mahomes is good. With this Kyle Long injury, the right side does have tremendous uh, needs help over there. Orlando Brown is both left tackle, right tackle. He's best suited to play left, but he played right. A lot of snaps over with the Baltimore Ravens. So if he has to switch over... And play right tackle. He can do that and hold down. the right side is the main guy. And Joe Thune can be the left uh, side. But my heart goes out for Kyle Lung. Who came back. Wanted to go uh, back. And was fully healthy. So this little injury uh, to his ligament and suffered damage. Is not a good sign. I feel for him. But being a contact sport. Being somebody who has injury uh, proned, then this is difficult. It's difficult for him, difficult for the team. And what was a sign of strength part of this addition is now going back to a question mark. So we'll see how he fares and the team fares from there. Other NFL news is Sean McVay is very happy with Matthew Stafford. He is heaping high praise on Matthew Stafford. Everybody says they've noticed him being happier uh, through these training camps and OTAs. They are loving it. The team is loving it. The team is loving Matthew Stafford. They say it's no slight on Jared Goff. They just think uh, Matthew Stafford is a little bit more special than Jared Goff. And I get that. I totally agree as well. Uh, To me, just from what I've seen uh, through social media and kind of the way people talk about each other is there is a lot of praise, at least through Matthew Stafford, uh, definitely a great quarterback not accomplished in terms of awards such as mvps or super bowls or even postseason appearances only three off playoff games three playoff games and zero wins Uh, that is something that when i picked the rams to win the nfc west and to lose to the eventual champion who i think will be again the bucks that is something that plays in my mind that even though he puts up good regular season numbers, good quarterback, when it comes postseason time, when the game's on the line, can he do it? Now, in the regular season, I think he's the guy you want. But the postseason is a different animal. It's a different mentality you have to have. And will he, Matthew Stafford, have that killer mentality I do not know. That's what I praise Tom Brady for. Having that killer mentality where one game he is in total control. Can Matthew Stafford be in total control when the game counts? Because I think for bearing something crazy, the Rams are making it to the playoffs. High expectations on this team. What? Is Matthew Stafford going to do playoff time? Is he going to crumble? Or is he going to show up? I think he's going to have to be special. And I'm glad everything's working well for him in L.A. I'm glad Sean McVay likes him. Uh, Deshaun Jackson enjoys playing with him as well. Stafford's enjoying it there in this new uh, type of offense with the head coach that's the same age as him. Uh, so it is going to be interesting, but again, they say it's no slate on Jared Goff. To me, it's just two different energies. Jared Goff is you know, the calm, collected one who isn't very outspoken or speaks much, doesn't show a lot of emotion, or Matthew Stafford is kind of that positive, upbeat guy, at least on the field, that measures more with Sean McVay. And I think they get along. I think this is going to be a great relationship that they have for a couple of years. Again, I like them in the NFC West, even though it's challenging. I like them in the NFC, even though that's even a bigger challenge. But it's still the playoff inexperience, at least from Stafford's perspective, that worries me. That's kind of the only red flag I have with this team. They have proven starters there. Sean McVay's been to a Super Bowl. Aaron Donald's been to a Super Bowl. Cooper Cup has. Uh, Andrew Whitworth with this offensive line. Jalen Ramsey's been to a conference championship game. So a lot of players on this team have experienced in the playoffs. The most least experienced guy to me is Matthew Stafford, your quarterback. Uh... And to me, the quarterback being one of the most important positions in football and having that inexperience, to me, is a red flag and something I do worry about when watching this team. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see when the season starts, when playoffs start, if Matthew Stafford was worth it and is a real deal. Like I think he's going to be even though I have a flag raised on him. Now moving to another NFC West quarterback and team, Russell Wilson denied requesting a trade from the Seahawks. He loves Seattle. Oh, we know you love Seattle, Russell. Yes, you've had a great career here. You love Seattle. Oh, everything is great about Seattle. He said it was an unfortunate situation that this kind of got out of hand with some of the frustrations going on. And General Manager John Snyder said that they received calls but never actively negotiated with any of the teams that called. Uh, Good for you, uh, Russell. I'm glad you've aired your frustrations You and Pete Carroll are back, and you're happy with each other, and you think this season's going to be better than ever. Oh, I'm so happy for you, Russell Wilson. I'm glad you're happy, and you think you've got what you wanted, but you really didn't get anything. You re-signed Chris Carson. You traded for Gabe Jackson. Uh... Your team's kind of the same, except in age, you're getting a little older, uh, so I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad you're happy where you at. Never want to leave Seattle, because you are never winning another championship in Seattle. You are not a legitimate Super Bowl contender with the way this team is coached and currently constructed. It is not. You have a tremendous quarterback and talent in Russell Wilson. You have two tremendous wide receivers. uh, One of the top 10 wide receiver duos in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Very potent between the three of them. But what hampers you is the play action that used to be so great for this team that opened up so much because you had beast mode. But you don't you have Chris Carson, who at times flashes like he's a great running back, but for other times he's injured and inconsistent. And a lot of that's also due into Russell Wilson being pressured so t- much times. It is because of his weak offensive line that he has. This offensive line is not good, even with the addition of Gabe Jackson. It's not going to be much better because he's not a stalwart. Guy, he's kind of an above-average player. Maybe his ceiling's higher, higher than what I'm giving him, but I don't see anything special, at least from his offense. Now when you take a look at his defense, Bobby Wagner is one of the best middle linebackers the game has ever seen, an electric middle linebacker who anchors this defense. You're set there. K.J. Wright's still unsigned. I think if you can get him cheap, you still need to bring him back. Your pass rush, highly suspect, very weak for the past couple years. Your secondary, very thin after this offseason with Shaq Griffin leaving. At least your corner, I think you're set with one of the best safety tandems in Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. But the corner situation could kill you when corners nowadays are asked to be on an island with receivers one-on-one and beating your man. Now they play a lot of cover 2 zone, cover 3 zone in Seattle. Uh, But I just don't see this team doing it. I don't know what Russell is happy about. Because he didn't look too happy when he was at the Super Bowl sitting next to Roger watching Patrick Mahomes, who's better than Russell Wilson, and Tom Brady, who's better than Russell Wilson, playing that game. It looked like he wanted to be back in the Super Bowl playing uh, and I don't think he'll ever get back there with the way the Seahawks are currently constructed, the way they're built, the way their philosophy stand. Because when you have a weak offensive line, you see them get dominated against teams that shouldn't dominate you. Like the Giants last year, when they lost, I don't know what the score was, 12-7 to or 12-10 to or 19-12, to something wacky like that where it's a game they should have won if they would have won that game they would have won the division uh, or my bad uh, their seeding would have been different they could have clinched a two seed or a one seed which would have helped instead of having a three seed and playing the Rams again that would have helped this team Uh, so games like that Are very costly. And when you just have a bad offensive line. Bad defensive line. Where you can't get any penetration. Win battles. It makes it very. Very difficult. So I'm glad he's happy. um, But be prepared Russell. To watch more quarterbacks. Play in more Super Bowls. Other than you for the next five years or so. Then. Jameis Winston says he's hungrier. He's hungry. With a second chance being a starting quarterback with the New Orleans Saints. I'm glad. I'm glad he's hungry. I'm glad Crab Legs is hungry. Crab Legs, man, with the wacky pregame warm-up pump that he does with the team eating dubs I mean I'm glad you're hungry because the New Orleans Saints fans have had a decade or so with one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Drew Brees so you've got a lot to live up to in New Orleans all that he's done for the community in New Orleans the love that Drew Brees has over there, and you, my friend, the most inconsistent number one draft pick I have seen in a while. I mean, he's not a full bust, but he's not a, you know, MVP, he's just mediocre, middle of the pack, you know, I'll throw 5,000 passing yards, and I'll throw 30 touchdown passes, But also throw 30 interceptions. I mean the 30 for 30 season. I don't think will ever get replicated. He's the first player ever to do that. And I think he'll be the only player ever to do that. Uh, But he needs to just get comfortable in the pocket. Win some games. Give the ball to Kamara. Have him make plays throw it to Michael Thomas, make him make plays, because Michael, or Jameis Winston to me, is not a playmaker. He needs to be a game manager of sorts and just give the ball to the playmakers such as Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and he cannot turn the ball over. If he turns the ball over anywhere close to what he did in his last season with the Bucks, it is toast for him, and this team, the New Orleans Saints can kiss the playoffs goodbye. Now moving on to the NBA. Last night, the Bucks edged out the Nets in a very defensive game, very wacky game, where the Bucks, uh were up 30 to 11 end of the first quarter and then the nets open the game on a great second quarter and get it to within 3 uh into halftime the bucks only have a 3 point lead and then after that you know it's just this defensive battle uh, between the nets and the bucks in the third and fourth quarter very low scoring, 86 to 83. I thought the Nets were going to come back and win this game in the fourth quarter after Kevin Durant hit that three uh, to go up, 83 to 80. I thought it was over myself, but Bruce Brown uh, kind of makes a bonehead play after Chris Middleton's uh, driving layup. And then Drew Holiday gets it, uh, and then they miss another layup, two in a row. Bruce Brown two misses, and Chris Middleton makes the two game-winning free throws. I picked the Bucks to win the series two to one, but after the three games I've watched, the Bucks are very lucky to have won last night, even when Kevin Durant wasn't at his best and he still dropped a 30 point double double on you. That's how bad the Bucks were. Chris Middleton I thought was fantastic best player for this team. But Giannis has to be better at least defensively. He has to guard KD, put KD on locks, former defensive player of the year. Giannis the same height as Kevin Durant, much bigger built, he needs to be able to put Kevin Durant on locks. I'm glad he's a great regular season guy where he can win these Defensive Player of the Year and MVP awards. But you have to come up postseason, and so far he doesn't. Yes, they won that game last night, but that didn't instill much confidence in me. I picked the Bucks in six, and they'd have to win three more, but... I don't like the Bucks winning the series anymore. If I'd have to flop, I'd flop now. Jump ship before the Bucks officially get annihilated, because I do not think they are winning this series. And Giannis especially has to work on his free throws. Giannis from the line is terrible. I don't know his exact shooting percent, but it's gotta be Way below fifty percent around probably I'd say it's around thirty percent is Giannis uh post uh playoff free throw shooting ability because it is not good uh at least as playoffs. I think overall he might be sixty percent, but that is not good. He airballs free throws, airballed some last night, the other night, and then the 10-second violation on the line as well. I mean, he knows he's not a good free-throw shooter. He's airballing free throws. He takes five seconds to look at the rim. He takes five seconds to dribble, and then he takes five seconds to look at the rim again. You only have 10 seconds. You can use half the time staring at it. So I'm surprised he gets as lucky as he does. One time it was 15 seconds, nothing called. The other time, yesterday, they called it around 13 seconds. I mean, now they put the clock on there when he shoots. That's how bad it's got. That's how bad he's got. I mean, this man is a liability from the line. I mean, I knew Ben Simmons was bad, and I pick on Ben Simmons being on the line as well. But Giannis, he's got to be better. All around, you just have to, if you're that nervous shooting free throws from the line, you just have to chuck it up within 10 seconds just to at least get a shot off because you're thinking about those three throws way too much. Uh, This is just not good at all. And when you have Katie and Kyrie three point scoring specialists on the other side who make all their free throws, make most of their shots and you've got a nervous Giannis on the other side that spells bad news for the Bucks Chris Middleton is a great wingman but I don't know if he's going to give you 35 points again like he did last night to me he's kind of a 20 to 25 point range man and Giannis has to be the one to carry this team Not Chris Middleton. So after the game last night, I'm glad they eked out a win. So it wasn't totally pathetic. But it's still not what I like to see. Then, after that, the Utah Jazz took a 2-0 lead on the Los Angeles Clippers. And what a crazy game this was. Uh, the Jazz go on a crazy run into the second quarter, going into the third, and they're up by 21 points at 76-55. to 55. I'm watching the game with my dad, and we both think this game is over It is foregone conclusion that the jazz were going to win, but the Clippers made some shots. The Utah Jazz uh, then missed some shots. Doesn't look good and they get close within. Clippers eventually overtake them in the lead. I believe it's 101-99, but they just couldn't finish the deal. Utah Jazz eke out a 117-111 win, take a 2-0 hold on the Los Angeles Clippers. Donovan Mitchell has been amazing this postseason. Last night, dropped 37 points on around 50% shooting from a field and 50% from three. He is so athletic. He's a superstar. Uh, he's looking like he wants to make a case for best player on the planet. Uh, I think with LeBron in this playoffs, I think whatever team wins it, whatever their star is, will be anointed Best player on the planet, whether it be Donovan Mitchell, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, whoever it is, somebody's getting anointed as best player on the planet after this. I don't like it. I don't like it. I still think it's going to be LeBron. I'm going to hold on to that until he has a poor regular season in total showing of both regular season. And that with no injury. Uh, but back to the Jazz. Donovan Mitchell has been special. He's been the best player this postseason now. But Luca is gone. Donovan Mitchell has taken that. Hasn't lost a postseason game. The Jazz lost their opener to the Grizzlies, and since then have won every single game. Donovan Mitchell has just been. Spectacular. He's athletic. He's able to make his three point shots. He's able to drive to the basket, make contact. He is special, bona fide superstar, top 10 player in the NBA, on the verge of top 5. He is the real deal. Now, what I heard from Stephen A this morning is he is the best. Utah Jazz player in the history of the Jazz organization. Now that to me is a stretch. Uh, It's a stretch uh, because the Utah Jazz had both Carl Malone and John Stockton. That's why it's hard for me... To say he's the best player in the Utah Jazz history. If you want to make a case for him over uh, John Stockton, that is a tough one to do. That's really tough because John Stockton was really good. But Carl Malone, you... Cannot say that Donovan Mitchell is better than Carl Malone. Why? Because those two guys, John Stockton and Carl Malone, are the only two players, they took you to the only NBA Finals appearances for the Jazz. 97-98, and they lost to the Bulls back-to-back years, but they are the only players... To make it to the NBA Finals. Has Donovan Mitchell made it to a Conference Finals? No. Has he made it to an NBA Finals? No. Now, if you want to debate John Stockton and Donovan Mitchell, go ahead. But Carl Malone, I that is slanderous. I will not take that. Carl Malone is one of the best ever to play the game. To me, is the second best power forward of all time. Uh, Tim Duncan's one, but two... I would go with Karl Malone. Karl Malone is a two-time league MVP. Donovan Mitchell has never won an MVP. 14-time NBA All-Star, Karl Malone. 11-NBA All-NBA First Team. Two-time NBA Second Team. Three-time All-NBA Defensive First Team. This brother could play, oh, and by the way, he has over 36,000 points, the second most points ever in the NBA. That's how special he is. And then what other record does he hold? Oh, most free throws attempted and made. Carl Malone, Carl Malone is the real deal, Donovan Mitchell is not at that level yet, he has not carried the Jazz to success, now I love Donovan Mitchell and I think if they beat the Clippers they have a good chance, but you cannot say Stephen Ava, Donovan Mitchell is better than Carl Malone. That's inexcusable. Until Donovan Mitchell gets at that level, then no, Carl Malone had long-term success. That's something I will not take. And Donovan Mitchell, of course, is not alone like... Carl Malone was not alone. He had John Stockton. Donovan Mitchell has Mike Conley, who's injured at the moment, but another great point guard to help share the wealth. Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert. He has him to help. Joe Ingles can hit three-point shots. Bogdanovich as well. And, oh, they also have... Sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson, and Jordan Clarkson uh, can ball. Uh, Jordan Clarkson has been amazing. Yesterday, he has made a crazy three-pointer where there's no time left on the clock. He just throws one up, and it banks in, and it goes in, and you're like, I can't believe he made that. That kind of took the soul out of the Clippers' little run there. Then he runs down the court and makes a running three pointer as well. Uh, so the Utah Jazz, to me, are much more potent than th- from three, at least watching them in this series. than the Clippers, yes, the Clippers were the best three point shooting team in the regular season, but in the postseason, that is not the case. It's the Utah Jazz. That's why I'm sticking with him. I picked the Jazz to win this series, and I'm staying with it because Jordan Clarkson has been fired. Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich. The defense by Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal have been great as well. And when Mike Conley comes back, it will really be over. This Utah Jazz team is fun to watch. And I think they've arrived. And I don't think the Clippers can overcome another 2-0 deficit. They just did with the Mass, but they had home uh, arena advantage, home court whereas the Clippers do not this time. Uh, They're down 2-0 early now. Down 2-0, they get to go back home. But they've only won one game in Staples this season. I don't think the Clippers are going to be doing anything. Kawhi, very pedestrian game. 21 points, he passed up a lot of shots. When Reggie Jackson is taking more shots than you, that's a problem, Kawhi. When Paul George is taking more shots than you, that's a problem. And Paul George, even though he finished with 27 points, didn't have a great game, especially uh, going in to that uh, fourth quarter. He especially wasn't good. He missed a ton of threes, two for six. Uh, leading up to that, uh, his shot was not on his competences. And there, there's a lot of just passing one to the other. Their three-point shooting. Was, again, not well. When Marcus Morris is cold from three, this team does not look good. He was 0-5 last night when their wins against the Mavs, Marcus Morris stepped up. But he's been rather quiet. This team's been quiet, and they don't look good. You know, shooting 36% from three compared to Utah's 50%. But tonight, I will be picking two games. The first game, the 76ers, Philadelphia, going up against the Atlanta Hawks. I'm picking the 76ers to win this game. Even though I think Trey Young is emerging as a superstar for this Hawks team, and they'll be relevant for a long, long time. Philadelphia's much bigger Joel Embiid is great. He's a tremendous center. Uh he dominates the game. He can shoot mid-range. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he can knock a couple of them down to where you at least have to respect him from the three-point line. And he's great from the free-throw line. Uh he knocks down his free throws. Is a center That is not something that's overlooked for the center position. Uh, When he gets an and one, to me, he just has this aggressive nature going to the rim. And that's why I think they're going to win because they don't have an answer for Joel Embiid. Clint Capella is not the answer. I don't think they have an answer for Trey Young. But there's a reason why Joel Embiid was an MVP finalist and Trey Young wasn't. Because Joel Embiid is that guy. He's the process, but Trey Young is not. Now, the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. What a letdown. I was rooting for the Nuggets. High praise for Nikola Jocic and the MVP. And they stink up the joint in two games. Coach Michael Malone pointing his fingers at everybody, pointing out the faults of his team, even though he needs to look into a mirror and do some self-reflection himself because that's not a way a coach should behave. I now have no faith in the Denver Nuggets. I wouldn't be surprised if the Phoenix Suns sweep The Nuggets, because they have not looked good at all this series. They have looked overwhelmed, overmatched, outplayed. It has been truly terrible to watch this Nuggets team play because it looks good for a second, and it's an utter disaster, especially the second half. It's just so bad to watch. Uh, Even when Devin Booker's not on his game, The rest of the Phoenix Suns still find a way to win. Cliff Paul, obviously, that was just a shoulder stinger for a couple days. It wasn't a real shoulder injury. So it looks like Cliff Paul is fully healthy. He got rejuvenated with his auto insurance by Jake from State Farm. And Cliff Paul is back to normal. Yes, I know his name is Chris Paul, but I only referred to him as Cliff Paul, the origin of the State Farm commercials with sports people in them. I think he's done the most as well. Cliff Paul is greater than Chris Paul. And Cliff Paul has stepped up in the series, and I think they are on their way to a Western Conference Finals bid with Utah, which I look very much into watching that I'd actually like to go to a game in Utah over a game in Phoenix. That's just my preference, but I am done with Denver. I am done with Nikola Jocic. He should hand back that MVP because he does not look like no MVP in the playoffs Cliff Paul looks more deserved. Luka Doncic was more deserved. Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell. Heck, even Jordan Clarkson. Anybody over than Nikola Jocic right now because the Suns have him on lockdown and have him looking rather pedestrian, to say the very least. Now, moving on to the NHL. It is on to round three, the Stanley Cup semifinals, right before the main event. The Islanders wrapped up their series against the Bruins. Of course, the excuse is Tuka Rask wasn't right. You know what wasn't right? This whole team wasn't right. None of it was right. The Islanders rather dominated you, and it was sad to watch because I am no... No, 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 Islander fan at all. So now the New York Islanders play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the semifinals that start Sunday. This is a rematch of last year's semifinals as well, where the Lightning beat the Islanders in six. Now to me, there's just something about revenge come playoff time, especially when it's shortened, when it's like back to a year where this year it was the Bucks and the Heat is a rematch, and the Bucks, you know, did the same thing to the Heat as the Heat did to them last year, I really do think Matthew Barzal, Brock Nelson, and Trotz they wanted this. They wanted Tampa Bay after what happened to them in six last year because they had to me have an extra weapon in their goaltending. Simeon Verlamov is much better than he was last year. And even if he's not great, they have a second great goaltender in Ilya Sorokin. So I think the Islanders are going to win this series because of the revenge factor itself. I do think so. I think since it's the same matchup, the same plays, you know, the same everything. Kind of leading up to this as well. But I just have the Islanders winning it as a team of destiny. And plus they beat the Penguins too. Uh, so the more they advance, the better it looks on me because I lost. At least looks like to a better team even though it makes it look like, oh God, I wish I would have beat them because I might have been there right now. Uh, but it is tough because I know Tampa Bay playing $18 million over the cap. You know, has a lot of talent because of that. Uh, But there's just something gritty about this Islanders team. Their last time playing in Nassau Coliseum, that place gets rocking. And teams uh, look uh, like it's the AHL out there when they go into Nassau, which is not good. And I think the Islanders can do that and rattle this Tampa Bay Lightning team more than they did last year in the non-atmospheric bubble state that they were in. Then the Vegas Golden Knights won their series against the Avs. Four wins in a row. Marc-Andre Fleury, on top of his game, uh, beat out the imposter Nathan McKinnon in the Colorado Avalanche and were really good in this series after that first game anchored by Fleury. The lines look good. Riley Smith with Marchessault. reddy and Stone. The fourth line with Colasar, And Carrier and Reeves. The defense with Pietrangelo and Shea, Weber, or Shea Theodore. This team, to me, when they're at their best, like they've been the past four games, are sort of unbeatable. And that's why they were tied for most points in the NHL. Now they play the Montreal Canadiens who are no joke. Obviously, they made it this far after pulling a 3-1 comeback on the Toronto Maple Leafs. They sweep the Jets, but now they run into the Golden Knights. And to me, these matchups are interesting because, like, the Islanders haven't played the Lightning all year long because of the format. Vegas hasn't played the Canadians all year long. So this is definitely a brand new test for them. But I like the Knights to win the series, and I'm just going to say the Knights, even though I think the Islanders are going to win in six, I think the Knights are going to sweep the Canadians. The sweep ladder continues to where the Jets, this is the sweep ladder, the Jets swept the Oilers, the Canadians swept the Jets, who the Jets swept the Oilers, and I think Vegas is going to sweep the Canadians, who swept the Jets who swept the Oilers. So this little sweep ladder pattern is going to continue with this series. Vegas is that much better, and it's, it'll be on full display this series. Then the NHL MVP, they narrowed it down to three players. It was Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, of course, I feel like Sidney Crosby, was snubbed for this award. I don't know if any of them are really deserved after what I've seen from a postseason. I don't know, but since it's a regular season award, uh, I have to say Austin Matthews, to me, the goal-scoring ability that he had this season was spectacular. Over 40 goals. In 50 games, to me, that's no slouch. Yes, Connor McDavid had 105 and was on pace for you know something unprecedented that it hasn't happened in a long, long time. But Austin Matthews, to me, carried more of his team with his play than Connor McDavid since he had Leon Drysaitel. Colorado Avalanche's first line is. Tremendous with Rantanen, Landis Gogg, and McKinnon. Uh, So, yes, Austin Matthews has Mitchell Marner, but Austin Matthews at least won against Nick David head-to-head, led their team to a better uh, record since this is five-on-five play at the time. So my vote's for Matthews, even though it will probably be McDavid. But who cares, because now one of those players are left playing for a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Then, now, who are my top five major league baseball teams? Number five, the San Diego Padres. Why? Well, their pitching has been spectacular. Yu Darvish, Blake Snellback, and Tatis is the anchor. Rather pedestrian without Tatis, at least OPS numbers-wise. But with Tatis, they are special. And the Padres will ride Tatis until Tatis will not go anymore. He is the real deal. Number four, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why? Well, they weathered an injury storm while well, most of their players were injured and they still won a ton of games. That takes a lot. They've all been brilliant. This deep roster that they have, lineup and rotation, has been great. And now with everybody coming back from IL, this team will only be getting better. Number three, the Chicago White Sox. The best run differential in the MLB. But they're a young team. They're still coming together, so they have a lot more potential. But to me, they're ahead of a curve, ahead of where they should be. They're winning games. And because of that, they deserve a lot of respect. And could soon have the most wins ever. Number two, the Tampa Bay Rays. Why the Tampa Bay Rays sadly are back their pitching has been great Tyler Glass now Rich Hill looks like they don't miss Blake Snell that much anymore their hitting has been well they're having fun playing and this team is back they're the cream of the crop in the AL in what looked like could have been a down year for the Rays Uh, they are now thriving and number one The San Francisco Giants. Why? Well, their pitching has been the best, hands down at least to me, in Major League Baseball. And they play a complete team game. This is a game in baseball where you have nine people out there. You need all nine to do their jobs. Really good to win games. Not only that, you have people coming out of your bullpen to replace your pitcher. They all have to do well, and everybody on the San Francisco Giants are executing their job to a higher level than what they should be, which is why they're the best team. Even when players are injured, such as Eva Longoria, they are still winning games and have the best record in baseball and are the best team in baseball and shutting all the doubters up. So that's my top five teams in the MLB The San Diego Padres, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Chicago White Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the San Francisco Giants. Now, I say this last section that if Nadal wins the French Open, does he pass Federer in the GOAT conversation if he wins the French Open? But that was not the case. He lost to Djokovic. Uh, in the uh, semifinal for the French Open. So, that is no longer the case. They are both still at 20. The Joker is going for his 19th on Sunday. He will be playing Testipas. The Greek man, hopefully Testipas, wins. Uh, I believe this is a rematch of the Australian Open that the Joker won easily. We'll see if he gets revenge on Clay, But Rafael Nadal will not be getting the 21 this year, so I will be saving this GOAT conversation for tennis for another day. Until then, hope everybody has a great weekend, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.